0: This is not your average financial podcast, episode 325, Myth Busting Thanksgiving. The tragedy of the comments. Hey guys, what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast? Well, it's actually sharing it with a friend. More people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way. So, hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now. Let us know you did, and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book, Free of Charge. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you are having a great time, whether you're already... Having Thanksgiving or it's something that you're still anticipating. Typically, when we think about Thanksgiving, we think about things like food and football, lounging around the house. But of course, the origins of Thanksgiving go way back to Plymouth Rock. And that's where I want to begin our episode today. Now, as a kid, when I thought back to the earliest settlers from England, They were those happy-looking, well-fed pilgrims and Indians sharing a meal together, sitting at an abundant dinner table full of cornucopias and stuffing and sweet potato pie and, of course, giant turkeys. We were all taught as young kids to share. And, of course, that's a good thing. I'm working on it with my child right now as we are having the same lesson learned of sharing. And it is good to share. And, of course, it seems like sort of a takeaway lesson from Thanksgiving that we all learn to share. If you share, you'll never be hungry again. But is that really what happened at the first Thanksgiving? For example, did you know that the pilgrims almost starved after they arrived on Plymouth Rock? That's right, there was no Thanksgiving Day, and there was almost no pilgrims alive to share their story with us. And I think there's some pretty dramatic implications for your financial life that you can use all year long that we can learn from the pilgrims this Thanksgiving weekend. Now, first of all, the Pilgrims were not even headed for Plymouth Rock. They were headed toward Manhattan. But winds pushed them north to what would become Massachusetts. And a scout party during a turbulent windstorm found themselves washed ashore in a deserted Indian village that had all this cleared land, storage supplies of corn, and a reliable source of fresh water. So it was not a Pilgrim invasion. These were, again, religious pacifists, Pilgrims. Had expressed a fervent desire even to pay the natives for their dried corn they found. But all the former inhabitants, the uh, Native Americans, had perished, likely due to smallpox, several years before the pilgrims arrived. Now, one of the few survivors of that devastation turned up several months later and welcomed the pilgrims. In fact, this Native American named Squanto miraculously proved to be the single human being on the continent best suited to help the pilgrims, since he spoke English. He had even embraced Christianity, and he looked favorably upon these struggling pilgrim settlers. He'd grown up in this same little village that had been, of course, abandoned. But as a child, a ruthless sea captain had kidnapped Squanto and sold him into slavery in Spain. After four years, he was freed by monks, and he made his way to England and then sailed all the way back to his home village, only to find all of his family and friends wiped out by that terrible disease. Squanto certainly was there to help the pilgrims, but he also helped arrange trade agreements with local Indian tribes and kept the pilgrims from being seen as dangerous invaders by the native tribes around them. The leaders of the pilgrims referred to Squanto as a special, special instrument sent of God. Well, certainly, he literally saved their lives. So with all this, it seems almost miraculous. It seemed almost destined to have the pilgrims succeed, but we have funny ways of messing up even the best of circumstances. Even though pilgrims already knew how to grow food, they, they had already got cleared land, they had favorable relations with these other local tribes, they were on the verge of starvation. Not because they couldn't grow their own food, they certainly had it. But for a sinister, much more sinister reason, written accounts from the pilgrims say, quote, the people grew weak, thin, and some swelled with hunger. Now, there were several reasons for this terrible starvation. It's not like the pilgrims who were able to manage to cross an entire ocean were incompetent or could not work together. Many of them knew how to farm. The problem was they farmed collectively. Now, the Council for New England, which was also known as the Plymouth Company, was a corporation that funded the pilgrims' expedition. And this corporation required that the pilgrims, quote, grow food together and divide the harvest equally. End quote. So it was not just imposed on them; they also decided, as a religious pilgrim, that they adopted a system of communal property, based on their experience that they had had in Holland. Remember, they had moved from England to Holland to escape religious persecution, and they experienced communal property there. And they thought that sharing everything would make them happy and prosperous. However, they soon realized that this system was inefficient and even unfair, and it bred discontent and laziness among all the colonists. So this was not just a bad idea, it was almost lethal. Communal farming creates disincentives that can be disastrous, including one mega one that economists like to call the tragedy of the commons. Now we're talking a lot about pilgrims, but I want to eventually bring this right down to your specific situation, what you're up to, what you're thinking about with your money, your economy, and your future. So let's think about a nice piece of ranch land, Imagine in your mind a nice piece of ranch land that many farmers all hold in common with each other. Everyone's going to bring their cattle to graze on this lush green grass. Unfortunately, the tragedy is that no individual farmer has much motivation to maintain or preserve that land. Their only incentive is to get the cows to gobble up as much of that grass right away as possible. In fact, each farmer will bring as many cows out to pasture as possible and gobble up all the grass before it's gone for good. No one's out there planting grass seed for next year or maintaining the land itself. Human behavioralist John Orbell and Robin Dawes in 1991 used their laboratory game that they had designed to simulate a common pool resource. They chose a fishery, okay? So you could harvest these fish and they brought these group of participants into the study. Each participant had to decide how much to harvest from the resource. And each round of their game, knowing their resource would only regenerate, the fish would only regenerate at a certain rate. So participants could either cooperate and limit how much they gobbled up, how many fish they grabbed out of their fishery, or they could defect and they could pull more than their fair share, risking the depletion of the fish that they all shared together. So these experimenters varied the size of the group the payoff structure, the information available to each of the participants. They twisted and dialed up the knobs. They found that cooperation was most likely when the group was smaller, when the payoffs were more equal, and when the participants could talk to each other. They also found that cooperation was influenced by a lot of the social norms and expectations like reciprocity, fairness, things like that. So this happened again in a study by David Rand and his colleagues in 2017. Where they used an online game to test how social heuristics could influence cooperation in a common pool resource dilemma, the tragedy of the commons is back at it again. In this game, each person was a member of a digital communal ranch, and they were allowed to put trees and buildings and water and all sorts of you know resources on that co- common land. And then a cryptocurrency that was made for the study was added to the communal ranch land, and kind of buried and distributed throughout the land. They could find and take as much as they wanted for themselves when the game started, or they could wait one minute, and that money would double in value for every minute they didn't consume or grab the money. So when the timer went off and the game began, participants just rushed for the money, and they held it personally, instantly. They consumed it. Now, why didn't they let the money double or even quadruple in value? Well, there was no reason to wait. Someone else would have just grabbed that crypto themselves. They found that the more people cooperated, the more they would cooperate. But the more people were seen as defecting and greedily eating up resources, the more they themselves would also fall in line and defect as well. Then the researchers changed the rules, where they had everyone own their own parcel of land on this digital ranch. Boundaries were drawn, and everybody knew exactly what land belonged to them. Money, again, was distributed throughout the land, and the rule of doubling in value every minute it was not consumed was going to be maintained as well in this second round. The only change was that they now had private property. So in this example, the participants sat and waited and waited and waited for the money to increase in value, cultivating their own parcel of land. So what's the takeaway? When you own your own property, you work hard to preserve it. You allow it to keep producing for you good things. It seems like human behavior, especially in larger groups, tend to lose this edge of cooperation. And instead, we choose individual you know, benefit instead. It's like the Hungry Hungry Hippos game, where we gobble up resources in the commons for our individual selves. This is what happened to the pilgrims, and it almost killed them. The second problem in this tragedy of the commons that we're talking about is that when you share the results of your work, your harvest, that is, other people, other farmers, will just sit back and not work as hard to make that harvest great. When you know you're getting a bountiful harvest anyway, why work hard for it? So let's leave the work for others, right? If they had continued in this practice, the pilgrims, we might not ever have known their story. They would have all starved. Maybe they would, you know, look back on that small group in Plymouth Rock with sadness, pity, remorse, rather than thankfulness and appreciation. It might be called Starvation Day. Fortunately, before this terrible starvation took its toll, there was a policy switch that was made in their governing practice. They switched to private property in 1623 after Governor William Bradford assigned each family a parcel of land to cultivate themselves. This change improve their productivity, their morale, and it helped them survive in the new world. William Bradford wrote in his diary, quote, After much debate, I, William Bradford, assigned to every family a parcel of land. This had very good success as it made all hands very industrious. We brought in a harvest that was more than enough to feed us. After such a success, we never returned to shared planting, end quote. Private property allowed pilgrims to invest in themselves and to build a bountiful harvest. That's why we read about it in our schools. And that's all really cool and everything. But what does this have to do with our financial lives? For example, a stock market downturn, investors might decide to participate in the tragedy of the commons. They might act in their own self-interest during a sell-off. They might sell stocks in a panic. This will cause the market to crash, which would affect everybody. When everybody thinks the investments are going to erode and everyone's moving to cash, that could reduce confidence in the overall economy. A recent example of this was during the COVID-19 pandemic. It triggered a global market meltdown in just a short period of time in March of 2020. That's one example. Where else might you find the tragedy of the commons in your personal financial life? What about not saving enough for retirement? Remember, some people in the Pilgrim's Colony decided it wasn't really worth it to work hard because somebody else was going to do it for us. You know, we'll get that harvest regardless of our own effort. So when individuals prioritize relaxation or current consumption over the need to work for a future harvest, you can really end up with insufficient savings. This can lead to, you know, a lot of fear personal financial bankruptcy, even dependence on social welfare programs that's going to constrain everybody else's efforts to save for their own retirement. It's going to burden taxpayers, public resources. In fact, according to a study by the Stanford Center on Longevity, less than half of American households are on track to maintain their current standard of living in retirement. Guys, that's less than half. And a study by Vanguard revealed that more than 64% of Americans Social Security is going to represent the largest portion of their retirement income that they'll even have in retirement. Social Security. Now, am I encouraging you to abandon sharing? Is this some sort of greedy capitalist message? Nothing of the sort. I can't emphasize that more. The smaller the social unit, the more sharing is important. I believe in the power, the beauty of contributing to one another, bearing one another's burdens. This is especially necessary with the most vulnerable among us, young children the elderly, the disabled. We all need to care for one another and help the less fortunate. We've all been so abundantly blessed, guys. If you're listening to this podcast, you're unbelievably wealthy in global terms. I don't know your net worth, but in terms of global standards, you have an unbelievable advantage over most humans alive today and all throughout human history. And yes, within your family unit, or within a very small group of people that you commune with, having collective approaches to sharing resources is so important. It's immensely rewarding. It's profitable for everybody. But in a group as small as the Plymouth Pilgrims, which was probably not even 100 people, you can see that the tragedy of the commons almost wiped out their hardy little colony. This is why I think the phrase, bank on yourself, means more than just a marketing pitch for whole life insurance. It's truly a philosophy that can resonate throughout your financial life. Don't be lured by social welfare programs. It's easy to be enticed by all the free stuff offered to you. But as I saw in a recent bumper sticker, you can either have free stuff today, gobbling up the harvest, or you can grow something that truly lasts for generations. Don't let the tragedy of the commons infiltrate into your household. Even in a marriage, both partners have to contribute. No one can just sit back and relax and let the other person work hard for that harvest. Now, this does not mean both spouses have to go to work for the traditional 9-to-5 job. Maybe it means full-time taking care of your children, which is the most incredible job in the universe, in my opinion, worthy of a life's work, for sure. Even the kids can participate. Bring your kids into the business. Make sure they have chores to do around the house. Make sure they understand that if you don't work, you don't eat instill those values into your children early on. Make sure they see the beauty and the power of being thankful after all that hard work has paid off. So guys, this is not a political episode. This is an economic episode. Like all of our podcasts, we're looking at finance in counterintuitive ways that might just bring success. For example, if everyone contributes to a pension in your city, then there's gonna be incentives for the pension managers to take giant fees and leave you with lower rates of return or even underfunded pensions. If you want proof that this is already happening across the country and maybe in your town too, please listen to episode 223, where I interview Chris Toby, a court expert witness who describes the unbelievable greed pilfering the pension systems and how underfunded most pensions are across the country. If you want to grow something that lasts past this quarter's results, don't look at the market, the stock market. Find more private ways to build real wealth. Or you might get sucked into the tragedy of the commons when the next economic calamity hits the headlines. Everyone starts to sell, like those hungry, hungry hippos trying to get what's theirs. And next, don't rely on Social Security. It may be there, and that'll be fine, but it might be one more tragedy of the commons that might reduce in value your Social Security benefits. It might happen through inflation or more prudent reductions in benefits. Instead, look to private contracts with private companies. To make your parcel of land grow, yield a harvest, and create something that lasts not just for your own benefit, but for those of your future. Now, life insurance companies are private companies. They've provided private wealth contracts for centuries, going back as far as the pilgrims and even before them. Each contract is owned by the owner. And the owner of the insurance contract is a very important part of this process. If everybody in my town owned my life insurance policy... I would have very little incentive to add much wealth to it, and I'd certainly be incentivized to take money out of my policy. But thankfully, it is not commonly owned. It's not owned by everyone in my town. I personally own my own policies. You personally own yours. Both of us have an incentive to build that well, to develop that parcel of ranch land, to bring the very best fruits home to our own households, and everybody, as a result, gets to enjoy a great harvest. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Remember the lesson of the tragedy of the commons and share this episode with your friends and family this Thanksgiving day. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future.